0: Well, morning, everybody. (laughs) Morning. And um, as I was talking uh, to you, as I was thinking about talking to you this morning, um, I was wondering whether to start with uh, a track from uh, the Beach Boys, Surfing USA. But uh, I decided that it's not quite exactly what I'm going to be preaching about. I'm not going to be preaching about surfing the United States of America, I'm going to be preaching about surfing the unlimited strength of the Almighty. Yeah. Yes. Yeah? So, if you want to have a tagline or, or a title for the talk, little talk I'm going to give this morning, it can be this, Surf's Up. Okay? Surf's Up. And um, that's something that, uh, that I mentioned I think, I remember rightly, back October when uh, we were driving around uh, Australia and we drove into a a place we like, it's a little surfing town called Manly. And as we drove onto the seafront along the esplanade of Manly, that day the surf was up. Have we got a picture Woo! Can you see that little man there? <laughs> Surf's up. Okay. That's what we were looking at as we drove into this, this place. And um, we, we actually uh, discovered Manly on an earlier trip. You see, Manly is about by road about 18 kilometers from Sydney. And those 18 kilometers, you, you skirt the enormous natural harbour that Sydney sits on and uh, Manly is actually due north, the other end of this great natural harbour and uh, the way to get there rather than drive the 18 kilometres around the road is to jump on the passenger ferry which goes a mile or two straight across this harbour, docks at Manly and then As you get from the ferry dock, you go the length of Main Street, and you're on the open ocean, which is a huge surf in reputation, a huge surf beach. I know everybody's heard of Bondi. I want to tell you Manly's got the same surf, and it's a nicer town. (laughs) And we love it. Anyway, the point was that the previous time we went to this area, we stayed in the city of Sydney. And to be honest, we don't like big cities. And at that time, Uh, just to go exploring. We went on the ferry and went across to Manly and found it was lovely. So when we were driving down that way last October, we said, we're we're not going to stay in Sydney. We're going to go straight to Manly and stay there because we like it. Okay, so uh, when we arrived at Sydney, we were driving down from Adelaide, and as we arrived at Sydney, we went straight to the city centre, straight over Sydney Harbour Bridge, over the Parramatta River, and the 18k round to Manly and as we got into Manly and drove along the esplanade at the, the seafront you know there's the the town the seafront the beach and the surf so you're looking at the surf as you drive along and the surfers and because the surf was up there were surfers out and boy did they know what they were doing at first you just see these black dots on the big breakers and you know, moving in and they're just floating around. But now and again, when they find the wave that they've been looking for, all of a sudden they paddle around and face the way they should be going and they paddle like mad and suddenly they're flying. <laughs> they're really riding that surf like that guy up there and they're, they're pirouetting and zooming up and down the wave. There's a wall of water flowing uphill behind them and they're sliding down it and boy there is so much power there and I want to tell you that uh, that pattern fits so many things that God does in our personal lives for example you can surf on the power of the almighty yeah and they go much faster than they could in their own strength when they were paddling like mad they might have got a little speed but it's only when the wave kicked in that they were really zooming I want to tell you, you can do a lot of stuff in your own strength, yeah. but you only start going places when the power kicks That's in. Right. You need to learn to surf. And surfing is something you learn. You need to have equipment and you need to develop skills in order to surf, both water and the power of the Almighty. In your... You know, you're supposed to be able to live with power. Assisted living. Yeah? You're not supposed to be living this Christian life in your own strength. There's power available. There's a lot of power available. (laughs) There's so much power available you can't imagine. We need to learn to tap into the resources of God to be able to serve God acceptably and to please God in this life. So I want to talk to you for a bit about surfing. So, as so far as I'm concerned, just remember, surf's up. Yeah. All right? The power is available. Mm. Okay, surfers. Surfers position themselves right where the waves are rising and wait for a really big one. They know where to wait, you know? If they're the... They're watching the conditions, they're watching the sky and the sea state and they know that actually they're beginning to build over there, so we'll go over there and wait for a big one, you know. So they are looking for the power, they are looking for the wave. They are searching for the right place to get a good ride, to be carried along, to be excited, to be adventurous. They are looking for the place to be. Secondly, surfers equip themselves to ride the wave. They have surfboards, which are designed, they're designed beautifully, like like a a fish or a dolphin, beautiful shape, you know, because they are designed to interact with the water, with the element on which they're supposed to be surfing, yeah? And so they're equipped with a surfboard, and they're equipped with the skills they learn to be able to position themselves and take advantage of the power that's available. And thirdly, surfers put effort into catching a wave. They don't just sit there and wait for a wave to take them. They watch for a wave. Then when they think this is the one and they feel the power of the wave rising under them, they turn their board round to face in the right direction and start paddling like mad. They put effort into it. Yeah? I want to tell you, if you want to surf the surf... The power of God in your life, you've got to be equipped. You've got to learn the skills of seeking God and knowing God and sensing God. But you also have to put effort into it. Yeah? In fact, that effort, as they begin to paddle, is a perfect picture of the expression of your faith in God and his power. You put the effort in, and when you put the effort in, when you get to the end of what you can do, then God kicks in and he does what he can do. That's faith. Yeah. And so I'm talking to you about surfing. Let, let me sort of break it down um, spiritually now, right? Equipping ourselves to serve. The shaped bit, the board, is your spirit. Did you know that worship helps to shape your spirit to interface and interact with God Amen. When you worship God It's like creating that beautiful, sleek, slim surfboard That knows how to ride the power of God That's your spirit you See, Your spirit is the bit of you that can interact with God Because God is a spirit you, Your maker is a spirit yeah. And so your spirit is the best bit of you to interact with him yeah, to be in touch with him, to receive stuff from him, to, to appreciate him and know what he's like. You sense most of this through your spirit. And so your surfboard basically is your spirit. And we're all born with a spirit. It might be dysfunctional because we're born under sin and shaped in iniquity. So it's not working very well. But your spirit is supposed to be your contact with God. Yeah, and when you get saved, it's your spirit that's born again, that's new, that begins to work like it used to, uh, used to work back in Adam and Eve before their sins. You know, contact with God. So, the shape of your spirit helps you. I say shape in inverted commas helps you to interface with God. That's your surfboard. That's where you are riding on the power of God. It's your contact through your spirit. Secondly. Your soul, it's actually spirit, soul, and body. I'm not being very complex here. It's your soul. That's your mind, your emotions, and your will, the real you, okay? And so the skill of your soul in seeking God, knowing God, getting a grasp of God and the things of God and reading his word, that part of you is the skill of your soul. So you've got the shape of your spirit the skill yeah. of your soul. Because, yeah. of course, when you look at it, worship shapes your spirit. Yeah. Yes. The word shapes your mind. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so you learn things up here as well. Yeah. Your spirit can be in contact with God, but your mind can learn things about God that you then know as a mind thing and not just a spirit sense. You've got the idea. Okay, so the skill of your soul in getting to know God getting to be able to relate to him and appreciate him and know what he's like and what he's thinking and how to serve him. That skill is the skill to serve God. You've got to know him before you can ride him. (laughs) Got the idea? Thirdly, the activity of your body. Yeah? The activity of your body. Because your body has to be the thing through which you express your faith. Faith without works is dead, Works are conducted through you doing them. So it's what you say and what you do that also contributes to having a good session of surfing. Okay? And so there's the shape of your spirit. There's the understanding or skill of your mind. And there's the activity of your body. And when these coincide, then the wave can kick in and you're going somewhere. You're going somewhere. Yeah? Body, soul, and spirit. And so, you see, you are built to serve. (laughs) It's your heritage. You're built with a spirit to interface with God. You're built with a mind to begin to know and understand and love God with your emotions. And you're built with a body to serve God and put your faith into action. So body, soul, and spirit serving the Lord. Let me give you a, a quick Uh, example because of what Chris was saying earlier on in the worship session. Let me give you a, a practical sort of little story. Worship. You get up on Sunday morning and you've had an awful week. You're depressed. The way you feel is you'd like to just go and sit in the corner and suck your thumb. of all the problems, all the distractions, all the pressures, pressures of work, pressures of relationship, pressures of fire, whatever the pressures, you don't feel like worship. But you get up on Sunday morning and because you know you don't do what you feel, you do what is right because it's right. And so you you have a shower and dress and jump in your car and you you head off and uh, on the way you have a puncture and you have to change the wheel and you arrive late and you're not very happy anyway because it's a new venue again (laughs) but you go in because you do what is right because it's right and they're already worshipping and you go in and you, you stand in your place and you raise your hands and you begin to sing and you begin to praise the Lord, and you begin to lift up the name of Jesus and thank him for who he is and what he's doing for you, you begin to sing in tongues. Do you know what? It's not long before the wave has kicked in and you're worshiping in spirit and in truth. It's not how you got up in the morning. It's not what you felt like doing. But when you, by faith, put into action doing what is right because it's right, the wave kicks in, and you have a glorious time of worship. Yeah? That's the sort of thing I'm talking about. Not just in worship. It can happen in witness. You know, you start off stumbling and thinking, oh, I ought to say something here. And then as you go along, the wave kicks in. And all of a sudden, something significant has been passed on to somebody else about Jesus. Yeah? So it's in the life of faith. The life of the Spirit and the life of faith, there's this surfing principle, which is, You get yourself positioned right, face the right way, put in the effort, and then the wave kicks in. Yeah? We are supposed to be carried along by a power greater than ourselves. Do you want me to give you some scripture for that? Because I've just been waffling, haven't I? Okay, here's some scripture. Okay, this is the Apostle Paul in the first chapter to the Ephesians, the second half of the chapter. Start at verse 18. I don't know which version this is. Sorry, Chris, but this. (laughs) He's praying. In Ephesians 1, I pray, he says, then in verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know, this is, this is know as well, the mind's involved here, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saint, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power, say power. power. He's talking about power, yeah? This is immense power. He's going on for the rest of the chapter to describe how immense this power is. Immense power, mighty power. According to the working of his mighty power, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That's power. He raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Power that set him far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet. Wow, that's a tall wave. Power. Yeah, yeah? surfs up. Power. Yeah? This is what he did in Christ. All things under his feet, given him to be the head over all things to the church. Here, the church is in line for power. To the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. You've got to the end of chapter one, but don't forget when Paul was dictating this, there weren't any chapter divisions. It just, it's the same letter goes on. So he's talked about this immense, this unlimited power. And what does he say? And you has he quickened. Oh, that's a lovely, old-fashioned Bible word for surfing. Quickened. Quickened. Yeah? Yeah, When you're facing something that's bigger than you are, you need to be quickened. You need to be carried along in the power of the Spirit. You need God to help you do what you can do. Yeah? You need to surf. (laughs) Got the idea? Yeah, you need to know how to release the power of God into your situation at that time for that problem. Yeah, Yeah? so we're talking about surfing this morning. And you, he has quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. That power is up. Surf's up. Surf's up. Yeah. Yeah? That surf power that raised Jesus unbelievably high is here this morning Amen. and in fact it's there when you got up this morning even yeah. though you didn't feel like coming to church yeah. <laughs> Same power that power yeah. that power is available all the time yeah and <clears throat> how, how how do you get this power right that can carry you through the challenges and, and and circumstances of life like a surfer riding on a wave how is that power communicated to us Romans 8 verse 11, it's still Paul, different letter. But talking about the same thing. If the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead, that power, if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies. You can surf. Yeah? Yeah? That's what it's there for. (laughs) You can surf. Shall quicken your mortal bodies. How? Because of his spirit that dwells in you. The spirit of God interfacing with your spirit is the point at which surfing takes place. By his spirit that dwells in you. So your spirit indwelt And quickened by the Spirit of God is the surfboard with which you can be carried along in the purposes of the kingdom in your life. We could talk about all sorts of things, but uh, if you want the presence of God in your life, you want the power of God in your life, you want the promises of God to work out for you in your life, if you want the purposes of God to be worked out in your life so that you're serving him and pleasing him, all the things you might want, You can surf into those things because he has provided the power to be carried along with a power greater than your own. Yeah? You know, there's been an advert on telly lately uh, where they've got these bikes and they've got a picture of this this woman riding along, Kayleigh, on the bike. And it's a bike that's got... um, It's a power-assisted bike. (laughs) You know, it's it's just got a little... little Is that me? a power-assisted bicycle. And so as you're uh, riding along, power kicks in, and and, and you're carried along by the power of the bike. Now, that is far too sedate for the picture I'm trying to paint this morning. That's why I chose surfing. You're not just daintily uh, (laughs) cycling through life. God wants you to be an adventurer. He wants you to adventure the waves of the Spirit. He wants you to be excited. He wants you to say, wow, look what God is doing. We're we're not just daintily tripping along on a bicycle (laughs) through life. No, we're soldiers of the King. Doing exploits, having adventures, being excited. I want to tell you this morning, we're getting excited By surfing without even getting our feet wet. (laughs) Surfing the waves of the presence and power of God. And it's there for you. It's there for you. All you do is say, yes, Lord. Show me how to serve you. You see, faith in God and obedience to his word are the sort of mind equipment. Yeah. And so when your spirit can sense God, and you begin to understand the ways of God, and what God wants of you, you do those things. A life of obedience is terrific equipment to learn to surf. When you do what you're supposed to be doing because it's right, even when you don't feel like doing it, you're equipping yourself to, to be carried along by the power of God. And so, yeah, spirit surfing. Obedience and faith. There's a couple of things that are involved in this obedience and faith. For example, obedience is a lot of God's promises are conditional. He says, if you do that, I'll do that. You've got to fulfill the conditions. That's part of the faith side of things. All right. And so when God says, if you do this, I'll do this, then you do that and you fulfilled it. You have positioned yourself to serve. But when you are not doing that, you are not positioned to serve. And so, uh, Isaiah t- puts it quite well. He says, this is God talking, by the way, in Isaiah 48, 18. If, oh, there's an if in there, so it's a condition. If only you had paid attention to my commands, which means believing and doing. Yes. Yeah? Paid attention to my commands. Your peace... Would have been like a river, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. You would be surfing. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. Why? You paid attention to my commands. And so there is obedience involved in here. Faith does stuff because it's right and because God has told you to. So that's part of it. So there are often conditions to promises. Yeah? Um, In fact, (laughs) that's how you get saved. Yes. All right? Romans, this is Paul again, chapter 10 and verse 9. If, another if, it's a condition. Yeah. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Yeah. That's the obedience position that allows the wave of salvation to kick in. Yeah? yeah? You say, Jesus is Lord. You believe Jesus is Lord. Risen from the dead. There's a lot of power available there. And that power then begins to work for you. You get saved. And just on a simple confession, there's not a lot of energy in that really when you think of it, but just on a confession and believing, what happens is you are able to surf from condemnation to redemption, from hell-bound to heaven-bound, from guilt to forgiveness, from death to life, from rebellion to relationship. There's a lot of power going on there. Just because you said, yes, Lord, I believe you died for me. And so that's the simple illustration of this faith obedience part of learning to serve. And when God tells you something, do it. And so there's promises that have conditions that are also pictures and words he gives you. You know, if you're seeking God and he gives you a word and says, yes, uh, I'm going to do so-and-so, yeah? And um, you've been seeking him for a financial thing or a relationship or, or whatever problem you've been seeking God, it gives you a word that indicates that he is going to solve it. Your faith activity then is to hold on to that promise until you reach the shore of fulfillment. You keep on surfing until you get to the shore of fulfillment. Let that promise carry you along, but you've got to keep hold of it. If it doesn't happen in a fortnight, don't bin it or put it on the shelf. You've got to keep that. You've got to talk to God about it every day. The Bible talks a few places about reminding God. God doesn't need reminding of things. He knows it all. Why do you remind him? You remind him because you need reminding Because you need focusing, because you need to have your eyes fixed on the promise that he has given you. And so there are conditional promises, there are words of promise that he gives you, you know, and when God gives you a word, uh, it's not just usually a a thing that you just maybe read in the Bible and think, oh, that's nice. No, He, he gives it to you usually two or three times from different sources, he gives you a word. Yeah, In one case when Mary and I needed a word from God, he gave us one, which was, you will succeed. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Only he didn't just give it to us once. I happened to find it in the Good News Bible, because that's when it's got that version. But then within 24 hours, it was confirmed back from different sources. The same scripture by people who didn't know what we were facing. All right. God confirms these words. And when you've got a confirmed word, you can hang on to it. All the way through to the shore of fulfillment. Yeah? You will succeed. That was a promise to us at that time. And so, time. Yes, okay. Two things. Very quickly. We are in a time of faith challenge in this house. Financial faith challenge. And I'm not going to go into all the scriptures. I could, I could have preached the whole time on this from Malachi 3. But I just want to say, now you know the principles I'm talking about, that the surfboard and position to move into the financial resources of God in your life is quite simply tithing. Get that obedience thing right. It's good. Give to God what's his. And Malachi says you move from being under a curse to being under an open heaven. Yes. You pay your tithes and then you give your offerings. And what you give here gets the smile of God. He says, oh, I'm going to open the windows of heaven. Your land's going to be fruitful. You're going to see things happen. Because you've got the surfboard right. You can surf in my power into financial freedom. Yeah? Yeah? And once you get tithing in place and you move into the land of offerings, you know, and and double tithing and triple tithing, try it. Don't knock it until you've tried it. Okay? Double tithing and triple tithing. It's there. It's happening in this church. But don't knock it until you've tried it. Once you get into the land of giving, which is giving from the nine-tenths of your income that God allows you to keep and steward, give from there... And that's where you move into the land where loaves and fish multiply. Yeah, yeah. The land where the meal and the oil keep flowing. Yes. The land where God so prospers you that you can be generous on every occasion. Yeah. The land where Jesus was talking about when he says, give and it will be given to you, shaken together, pressed down and running over shall men lay in your lap. It's yours. Yeah? Yeah? This is the hilarious adventure land where you try to outgive God and you can't. <laughs> Once tides are in place, you move into the land of financial surfing in God. Got the idea? Time is going. One more. God uses this piggyback principle that we're using in surfing, in various ways. And historically, God has often piggybacked his purpose. On national power. The most clear example I think I'll give now for time is the early church. When Jesus died and rose again and the early church was launched, Israel was a tiny province of the fairly large, at the time, Roman Empire. And so the early church, which was Uh, commissioned to go into all the world, was uh, enabled to go into all the world because a lot of the world around at that time was under the Roman Empire, which meant that travel and contact was easy. And uh, you know with Paul's mission journeys, he was going all over the place. And the Roman Empire not only was just all around the shores of the Mediterranean, but it was up into Europe, across into the Middle East, and down into Africa. That's a big empire. And the mission people, not just the ones you read of in the Bible, but missions went out everywhere in the Roman Empire and beyond to the distant nations beyond the empire that Rome traded with. In other words, the gospel sat on the coattails of the empire and was carried out, all right? And funnily enough, that happened again in the 18th century to our nation. By, towards the end of the 18th century, about 1780, Britain was at the height of its empire, which happens to be the largest and most far-flung empire the world has ever seen, with something like a third of the population of planet Earth ruled by or under the influence of this little old island, Britain, yeah? But notice what was happening spiritually in the 18th century, because at the beginning of the 18th century was the Methodist revival a spiritual awakening that was so widespread and so radical that it radically changed the home society of Britain. Yeah. yeah, It has been said that the change of the society of Britain in the 18th century through the Methodist revival was as radical as the change of French society through their revolution with all that bloodshed. Yeah. They had bloodshed, Britain had the gospel. Just as radical a change. And so by the time the British Empire was at its height, the home nation had really espoused, it was a couple of generations on in the, in the, the revival time, and so there were missions going out. And so the, the character of the church at home was reflected in all the colonies. Yeah? And so you've got this spread of the gospel, just like the early church of the Roman, then you've got the British Empire and the revival of the time which changed society. And by the way, it's not just Britain. At that time, the maritime nations of Europe were also planting colonies all over the globe. And so the Portuguese and the Spanish and the French and the Dutch all planted colonies, and where they planted colonies, they also exported something of their culture and the church. Whether it was Roman Catholic or Protestant, they also exported their church in mission. This is really one of the reasons why today, when you look at the statistics, Christianity is by far the largest world religion. Because when you add to those expansions of the 18th and 19th century, you also have the enormous... Russian Orthodox Church, and also the Coptic Church and the Greek Orthodox Church. Add all those together, you've got Christianity is the biggest religion on planet Earth today, with something like more than a third of population of planet Earth, the seven billion population of planet Earth, uh, said to be Christians. Time's gone. So last point, What am I trying to say here? We've come to a situation this year where our nation, which had got the empire disintegrated and got down to a little offshore satellite of the European Union, last June decided to go independent in Brexit. And because of that, it now has to turn its sights into becoming a global trader once again. So now, having been denied the ability to trade easily with our commonwealth, which is the old British Empire, actually, the commonwealth, and other nations, they can now set up those trade links again. Not only with the old commonwealth, but there are big players like China and South America also want to trade with us. Okay, can you see what's happened in the nation? I wonder if God is going to repeat the pattern of the 18th century and that in the next decade, he will fan into flames a revival in our land that's worth exploring round the gold. Surf's up. I believe the surf of revival is also rising. I believe churches are coming alive. And I'm praying for the church to come alive. I'm praying for the church to be fanned into flame. And have something in our little old island that's worth exporting all around the globe again. Amen. Amen. Amen.